Where's the, where's the... My name is Io. Io? Io, yeah. Io. Wow, uh, we found the... Uh, they're cleaning up the terrace, so this loud French family will be vacating the premise. But they're so much less loud when you're... Mm. <laughs> you know, suddenly, as soon as you turn on the headphones, or listen to the headphones, you become a cantankerous old man. Mm, it is. Everything goes bothersome. It's Everything is bothersome. You are interrupting my audio recording. Mm. The sounds of traffic. But then really, I actually realized that it's just because it's an unfamiliar composition of the sound to hear it at that volume turned up, right? Yeah. But really, you and I are talking, sitting here. And you hear me, I hear you. Relative to the background noise, it's fine. Do you ever get used to your own voice? On this, like, does your voice, yeah, when course. you hear it, sound exactly the same as you say it? No. To me, it's always different. Of course, it'll sound different. However, yeah. you get used to the fact that, just like when you look in the mirror, you're looking at your reflection. Mm -hmm. You're not looking at you. You're looking at a mirrored image of you. Yeah. Horizontally inverted. Mm -hmm. Your sound is also, the way it is produced and projected, will be different to how it is sounds. Yeah. How it sounds because you, the sound's coming from inside. Mm -hmm. So your ears aren't necessarily hearing you, your ears are hearing you internally, not externally, exclusively. Yeah. Or at least you have the mixture of both. Well, so you know, you can, if you take two pieces, or like a, a book or something, and you place it in front of your ears, and then start to talk, it's like you only hear, you don't hear the noise yeah, through your true. ears. Yeah. You just hear it vibrating inside your head, which is more accurate to how it actually sounds. You're right, this is actually how it sounds. Yeah, it's more quite strange. the podcast. <laughs> Yo, where's yeah. the joint? The joint is here. The big, the big one. Oh, the big one. Where's it gone? You said you'd found them. You found two of them. Oh, no, I got, it, oh yeah, it was on the shelf. Is Did it still, I, I can get it. Okay. Is it still on the shelf? Um, it's only one way to find out, I think. Is it that? Yes. Awesome. Predubulating. Predubulating, indeed. To no avail. So, I'll explain to you, if you can call it rules, the rules. I'll explain to you the rules, if you can call them rules, you that can. we have in the system. When we, uh, at least, we try to disable all form of digital communication. Yeah. Within the period that we do this. Okay. The idea is to say, hey, you know, let's use this as the space to tell some stories. And seeing as you're new on the show, what was your name again? Ao. Io. Io. Just two letters long. Io. I and then an O. Okay. And then I'll be OG. OG. OG and Io. Are you always called OG? No. In mm. fact, that's the first time I'm calling myself OG. And to be honest, I don't know if I'm worthy of the title of original gangster. Mm. Does your personality change with each of the new names, or are you the same person with a different name? You know, I don't think we've ever really committed to the personality change, but mm. I don't see why we couldn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? The idea of the podcast is that it's, it's actually just a form of expression. So if you wanted to use it as an excuse to say, hey, you know what, let's just spend the next hour speaking in pure gibberish. What happens? <laughs> How, what happens to your communication? Mm, I think I, I could still, some kind of ideas would be shared between us. It's like Mr. Bean when he gets up on stage and he doesn't even say anything. He's just taking out his paper and fumbling and doing all these quirky facial expressions. And yeah, everyone's laughing and doesn't even say a single word.
for him it was all the physicality right yeah I mean, that was that's beans magic my question is can you still achieve that in the podcast format hmm I don't know I feel like the listener couldn't really understand somehow because well maybe they could to a certain degree but it would be more be how you said something or the actions that accompany it or talking with your hands in some way what's funny for me is that this exists purely as a theoretical idea and mm-hmm. it seems to be something that no matter what I've knocked on the door but I've never actually opened it we've joked and riffed about the about doing it but we've never really actually committed to making these sounds because somehow it's an, an objectionable way to pass an hour you have an hour among 24 in a day mm-hmm. would you use it to spend 24 or one of that hour producing sounds you've never produced before and trying to communicate regardless no I think definitely I think it's almost like I was saying earlier with another person your thoughts just bounce around in a different way you have a different person creating all the all the waves and you know two people two waves interacting can create even bigger ideas you know you can get yeah I feel you can get more impassioned with another person because you're trying to convince them of something or you know how I keep talking mm. about when you I believe everything is rhythm right and you have to surf as we keep saying swim through the break to, to find a wave mm-hmm. and to find that rhythm is you have to swim through the break like what happens when you swim through the break of speaking in gibberish mm. how how choppy is that break are you able to get to a point where you understand each other you know what I'm saying where you where you're actually at a point of mutual understanding mm. beyond specific codified language definitely it's almost like you know when you meet someone you're not sure if the knowledge level is the same mm. so you have to figure out <coughs> are you on the same base and actually when I talk about an idea can you actually comprehend it for what it really is so I guess you're finding that level of flow maybe where it's the perfect balance of one person adding another thing adding another thing Mm. instead of it just being like a static thing because you are only as strong as your weakest link mm. right and if you're in a two person conversation and you feel like the other person's not able to keep up with what you're it's not necessarily about keeping up right because no. we're not referring to a, a degree of intelligence but rather a type of it mm-hmm. it's also I would say and I'm beginning to see that there's a certain amount of proclivities that seem to produce a set of knowledge base right there's a there's a certain set of curiosities that are innate within you that would you'd find many alignments in me mm-hmm. and those curiosities produce um, a pursuit of thought and that thought reaches you to similar places that I'm reaching I'm thinking I'm looking at these these hoodlums mm. what do you think about silence on the podcast adolescence mm. you know I probably have another 25 episodes that I've recorded that, okay. I could, that I could add to the podcast. Oh yeah, but they're just solo episodes. Really? And all I and I never thought of them as episodes. What I thought of them as is, I sit here on the balcony, I blindfold myself, I put the microphone in front of me, and I play some music. Yeah. And I don't have music that, to play. I'm just looking for music writing. I'm going into the raw or space. Mm-hmm. And when I don't have music to play, I just sit and I share my thoughts. And often I just will sit in total silence for 20 minutes, maybe just breathing. You know, but. It was never intended to be part of the exhibition, you know? But it, it's funny to think of it that if you call it a podcast, it becomes one. If you call it a journal, it becomes one. Mm. I guess so. I always think it'd be funny if you had these podcasts that no one ever knew about, and then all of a sudden, some person is involved in some scandal, then it becomes a thing that 
people listen to and they analyze in the past and like see the origins of things and like even though <laughs> like you can never even know like, I always think it's funny you know like how Marcus Aurelius says meditations he has instructions was to just after his death destroy it and that's like a famous book that millions of people read and yet mm. he was all he wanted to do was just no one to ever read his thoughts ever that's funny you think of yourself as so insignificant I mean look at Wim Hof himself man he was an insignificant man until he was kind of well into middle age yeah you know and now suddenly the entire life is under the microscope when did he start going when, when did he start to become a sensation has it only been the last it must have well I know that 2014 he was tested you know by the medical by the medical science <laughs> yeah the university <laughs> so it's got to be in his 50s like late 40s 50s he has a break what I find, well, sure. So really, what it says is that you have to sort of watch yourself all the time. You know, from the moment you escape the womb, is it your job to keep an eye and pay attention and, and make sure you don't. Well, often when people who get really, really viciously cancelled on the internet and the story. It's typically a lowest common denominator form of cancellation. Mm -hmm. You've said something that you obviously shouldn't have said. It's your own fault for putting that on Twitter. Yeah. Blatantly stupid type of things to put. Those mm -hmm. seem to be the trends of cancellation. And people who are typically entangled in media sensation anyway. Mm. Right? People like South Park and Joe Rogan, you know, people try to cancel, but what is cancellation other than the media trying to to turn have people turn their back on you? Mm. But it's also, why would you let those people cancel you? The people that are so close-minded that they can't even comprehend another thought. The people that are like you are still going to like you regardless of you being cancelled. And in a way, it could give you new vigour in a way. Because then you've been cancelled and people actually are interacting with your ideas. I, I think it's that people perceive the term cancellation as an absolute form mm. of shunning. It's like, look, cancellation is just saying you have been shunned. Right, and shunning is as, as old as time. Yeah. Shunning, you, you have been evicted or you have been asked to leave the community, excommunicated, right? But cancelled is just a, another modern version of excommunication, except for the fact that it's just like excommunication. You get excommunicated, the following day you wake up and you're still you. <laughs> mm. You're still breathing, you still need food, Your you still feel pretty good. Apart. And everything is exactly the same as it's always been. Yeah. The cancellation is a made-up thing that's just decided. It's a it's a signal that's multiplied and multiplied until you think, well, I, I simply have no right to exist anymore. But do you hear about the lady on Twitter? So she's flying to Africa. Yes, I know the, the story. original is cancellation story. The original story. Yeah, the man. Original stories. Stuff like that is hilarious if you're not the lady. But imagine imagine the paranoia. Like it's almost like a bad acid trip. Like everything everything is going wrong except it's actually real. And okay. just imagine the, the, the turn and whiplash, the absolute whiplash. Imagine that tomorrow your life turns upside down. Okay. <laughs> in, a, in a stupid way like this. So many, so many ways it could happen. Sure, but just in a massive way. Okay. Where everything sucks now for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, like nobody will hire you. Mm. People hardly even want to talk to you. <laughs> You have like your name is is just dirt everywhere you <laughs> because of a stupid comment you made on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, is this? Can you just imagine the whiplash you must experience in terms of what you perceive to be your own reality? Exactly. I think yours is so morally superior that nothing else could even fit in with the truth. 
Oh my god. It's all just got to be sent away. Mm. But then what kind of grudge you begin to have? I mean, I know, at some point I saw, like, some... I had the misfortune of having television on or watching football and previews came on of some other thing that had to be had to happen. And as flipping through the channel, what I found is like a Monica Lewinsky Foundation. <laughs> and she spent the last 20 years trying to sort of... Um, fight against bullying <laughs> cyber bullying <laughs> like that she that's been the claim that she's that she has st she staked her claim there that he, she has stuck that is the claim how was the past tense of stake a claim she stuck has a claim stuck staken a claim what do you think about all the anti-bullying legislation not really achieving anything so people that just don't know how to sort problems out themselves like instead of just you take on the bully you know you resolve the conflict but now everyone just has to divert to an authority. Like you, your children, they're, they're like shocked when someone doesn't behave within the rule fr within their frame of rules. I try to simplify these things because I don't like to have a political opinion beyond what I thought in the third grade. Okay. <laughs> you know, in, in terms of just where my moral structure was, basically speaking, I always def despised people who would tell on you. Yeah. And I think most of us, when you, a snitch is someone who who lacks integrity. Yeah. Well, I understand why you might argue that the snitch is, is doing something that's in service of a, a greater moral good. Yeah. But somehow, the concept of a snitch, it gets into our stomach. We don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But then the snitch would think that he's the most morally righteous because he's defending the peace and he's allowing knowledge to transfer perfectly about the situations. I guess what it comes down to is that life as a snitch, it's just like we were talking about earlier, as a paper pusher, is yeah. infinitely inferior. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not that it's morally wrong. Yeah. It's that the moral landscape does require some bending if you are to enjoy the experience mm. of living a little. Maybe it's more like, you know, tearing someone else down to feel happy about yourself, you sure. know. If, but if we have no desire to enjoy the process of living, then what is the point of living? Exactly. And so why would we have any interest in continuing the concept of living if mm -hmm. it is an unenjoyable, bleak, black and white, bureaucratic system? But what about what about this? So what about then? Do you think we should just, just turn the, like turn technology to the max and just like destroy the planet and just go out this like insane thing of creation, like a or blaze of glory? Yeah, a blaze of glory, you know. So, uh, comet that just fires up or just go out slowly you know and painfully and everyone's nice and is super comfortable and doesn't need to work they can just eat organic food and but they have no drive towards anything they've just become like pacified and just content with life it's almost like if you because if, if you're content you have no reason to change anything i don't know is, is it worth the uncontentness just to create beautiful things because then we're like imposing ourselves on the world as much as we possibly can like to develop ourselves in that way. Can you imagine that there would be someone on this planet that if given the power, they would be willing to pull the trigger on the whole planet? There are definitely people that would do that. Right? Definitely, yeah. right? Yeah. Very obviously so. Just pull the trigger on the whole planet, on all existence. So the, would you the think question life is as well? like, how far are we yeah. from the point where somebody will have access to that power, where anybody could have access to that power? Well, I think we should want to raise have a society where we could never have someone like that. Where you could never? Yeah, like if I think if everyone was raised in a community and it would be very clear if a child was wrong. Like a child would have to be insanely clever to have desires like this and never have them shown or found to be weird. Like, because if it was actually tended to by a community, 
this kind of behavior is ratted out, but then it becomes more amplified in the modern world where you're just stuck inside and you have no idea about the outside world and you just spend all your time on 4chan or something, just getting all these like really toxic things into your head and you think that's, you think that's normal, whereas that would never happen if you actually had close community bonds. The only people that ever do that would be outcasts, you know, people that had no one. If everyone was together, I don't think we'd ever even have someone that would want to do that. That's an interesting point, man. Because we were talking earlier about how do you somehow manifest? <laughs> how do you somehow envision a path toward an actual realistic system that would be functional and also cater more towards our natural inclinations? Yeah. And just as you are saying earlier, this sort of... this the decentralization once again uh -huh. into small enclaves of communities that function more on the classic rule of law that humans existed in. But I also think that it would be quite cool in amongst that to have some city-states just ruled by like this genius creative guy that just decides everything, you know, like one man driving the city because then you could have, you know, like perfect harmony with the whole city. It'd be really beautiful. And I think in a way sometimes to live under a couple of people making the rules is far more dynamic and gets far more done. Like when people say they like democracy, like how it, they just they just put a paper in a box and then the same stuff happens. They say that's like central to their identity. Whereas so many people wouldn't, their minds wouldn't even be changed at all if they had a really good leader and they'd never even voted. Life would just go on. It's just not a thing they would think about. You know, when you have absolute power, yeah, you can make a lot of people work for you without having to pay them. Mm. And if you have access to a labor force that is an unpaid labor force that will do exactly as you tell them to do. Yeah. It allows you to behave in a fairly efficient way. Mm -hmm. I feel like I could achieve some good things. But also, even with like paid versus unpaid, if you think about it, if you decided that you're like, your goal in life was to just be a builder and a craftsman, and that was your thing, and you wanted to create beautiful things. Like you, in the ideal world, you'd be able to just do that and just have your like basic needs fulfilled, you know? You'd have food to eat, you'd be um, like kept in such a way that you could just dedicate your whole focus to this. Other parts of your life would be taken care of. You could say in a way that would almost be like the original master-slave relationship. Maybe it wasn't, it wasn't as, because we always have like a very negative image of it, but in a way you could view it as there are like different castes in society and they want to fit into certain areas. So it's like if, and if all of these things are all working together, all the different castes, then society is strong and healthy. Whereas it's like when all the different parts want to fight against each other and they think, oh, it's these people that are ruining everything. No, it's these people that are ruining everything. Instead of them all working in harmony together. Like, what do you think about that of harmony and people, people realizing their purpose? Like they could be like a musician cast and then you just, you just play songs out in the open and people would give you food or, you know, like the Indians, how the Brahmins, even though they were the top caste, they would, um, the, the, you know, the merchants would come and give them, they'd give them money so that they could spend all their time, you know, just devoted to reading all these holy books. Like the lower caste would come and give their money because they'd say, we want to be perpetuating knowledge in society, you know, so this is how we do it. Even though we're not the ones that are going to seek the knowledge, we're going to allow other people who have got that inclination to seek it to their full ability. You know, isn't that, I just think it's a really beautiful system. You know? And the caste system is really hated on because it came kind of perverted, but you know, by the British and how it's like a, it's a thing where you can only be in one caste because your dad was in that caste, whereas the original interpretation was, it's just whatever you felt like, were you more of a warrior or an artist or, and it's just, you're allowed to do that and there doesn't need to be money. Um, you know, each system will have its positives and negatives. You could, you've shown me a number of positives. 
There's no doubt at all. I could absolutely see that if your profession was to be the artist and that was just your role in every respect, how great would it be to be able to be the artist? Yeah. However, there are a lot of roles that I don't think I would like to be. Okay. And I think if I were compelled to have to be what would probably be a majority role, yeah. that of common slave, let's say, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd be singing the same song. Okay, that's true, but you could say that in the, in the, in the ancient world, a lot of slaves would be eventually free, like especially like uh, if you're a slave that had a great intellect, a lot of their masters would say, hey, you know, we'll educate you. Um, See, but you keep what you're showing me is a good side yes. for a subsect. I, I keep giving you a subset and you show me the good side yeah. to that subset, but that doesn't address the whole group. No, that's true. I think it's more, it's like... Um, but how, like how, could, but how could you get out of the fact that really it would, in any period of history, yeah. it would absolutely suck to be a slave. Oh yeah, no, that's a given. It's a given. But not always, but not always. Because imagine, let's say, you're a sl Like, I don't think the slave relationship always has to be bad. Like, imagine how there are some women that will live with a family long term, you know, and they'll... And, and in a slave relationship, it's the same thing. You can, you can really love someone and they could be with you their whole life and they just... They, but would you they, want to be the slave? No, but if, for That's example, what I'm saying. No, no, That's but it's not question. that they, they have this, um, so the, the bottom caste in, in Hinduism, it's usually I'd call the shudra, the workers. But another way to look at it is it's more the caste of people that give. So it's people like nurses. They're, they're people that want to give all their energy to helping others. It's like the healing caste. It's the thing that makes everything going. It's people that have like a desire to help others. You know, if you have a desire to help others, this would be your spiritual caste. And you'd say, you know, I, I want to be a fireman, I want to be a doctor, I want to, I want to help people, you know, I want to build bridges, you know, maybe you view yourself as a practical person, you, know, you want to do something to help society, that would be your caste. And it doesn't ever happen, of course, these power dynamics get distorted, but as the basic idea, some people just feel that they're almost not worthy of their own love, they always have to feel they have to give it to other people. So I have at least perhaps maybe a slightly opposite, interesting perspective. Okay. Clearly, it's a system that you have some t inclination toward. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you believe it's the system is not necessarily relevant to what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. You can see some sort of saving grace to the system. At least, that's the least I could say. Mm -hmm. right? it, it has some reason where you could say, wait, it's not all bad. It has some good about it. Perhaps that it's even a good system. Um, oh, God. I had a, a thought coming through and... And those adolescents made some sound <laughs> distracted me, pushed me off the train. But, yes, your vested interest in maintain in, in that system has to do with the fact that the system itself yeah. is one that when you are in it, you occupy the good seat. <laughs> no, but not always, because could, anyone could take, could sure, take value sure, in the, serving others. But the opinion that you're no matter how you draw it, you and I are the same. We would belong to a particular social class, as we do now, mm -hmm. that gets to sit on his behind. Yeah, right? yeah. And so therefore, the system that serves you is the one that you, you would like to defend, even if you're not cognizant oh, of that Oh, of course, fact. of course, of course. My question is, if I was a common slave, yeah. what system do I imagine would work? And let, let's say a common slave of high intellect, Okay. presuming that they would be able to conceive of a system yeah what would their system look like a system that would be beneficial to them or a system that they would prefer 
in some sense, what, you, what we're talking about is that we're looking for systems of greatest possible benefit for greatest number of people. Yeah. Right? In theory. But that's not exactly what the system was built on. Like, the system mm -hmm. was built more on greatest amount of benefit for a specific group of people. Because that's if you are trying to run a company, for example, what you're trying to do is to serve the company. Right? You're not trying to serve society specifically. Mm -hmm. You're trying to serve the company specifically. That's the job. There's nothing in inherently evil about it. Absolutely not. But what it does is it produces a system of motivation where we are not doing necessarily what is for the good of all. And if we were to orient ourselves exclusively toward the good of all, not the good of our individual groups, mm -hmm. what would happen to the individual circumstances of the average citizen? You know, like right now life is good for you and it's good for me. Yeah. Is it conceivable that we can be in an environment where it's actually kind of good for everybody? Definitely. Like, because we have a lot of resources that we direct toward promote producing profit for certain companies. Imagine the amount of capacity we have to produce resources for one another. To think that if everybody oriented themselves purely toward a common good, would you not be able to have such a multiplication of effects that are as a result of the natural order of cooperation? That because now we all help each other, the power that we actually have multiplies to no possible conceivable end to say that we have so much capacity to produce all the resources and riches and comforts that we would ever need for the entire planet. We absolutely do. But then we sit here and we're defending a system called capitalism because, yes, we think it's just the natural order of things. I get the sense that competition... I, I don't think competition is necessarily the best way to grow things. Why is that? I believe it's co cooperation. It sits in my gut feeling, and I'm sure I could argue it if I felt like I had formulated the thought a little bit. But something in my absolute gut tells me that the natural order, at least within species, mm -hmm. is cooperative. Right? But you could say that you know, a lot of, like all the greatest technological change happens when two people are fighting one another, and they have it. There's a very serious time crunch. So when there's a competition, there's a very serious need to develop this thing as fast as possible, and maximum resources are placed into it. So something like this actually would really accelerate um, this change. You could say this could always be brought around by collaborative efforts. But even under collaborative efforts, not as many resources are going to be channeled towards it. So it's almost like it's war allows so much resources to be generated on science. Well, think of the amount of resources we're spending to try and advance this limitless need for knowledge. Mm -hmm. And how many resources we're spending on trying to attack and defend each other, or attack each other and defend ourselves. How many resources we're spending on lofty aims and unnecessary goals, right? What we're, would you say are some unlofty you, you, or unnecessary the, goals? What we said, chasing a limitless Lim to chase that which has no limit mm. just for the sake of chasing an ideal when really w the only service that we ought to be focusing on really is trying to maximize the quality of all individual life not just human but the fact is <laughs> nature was doing it by itself yeah it has a system it has a system of rules Obviously, from all the systems that, it is all, that nature has tried and tested and produced, clearly the system that it currently has produced has the one, is the one that it has culminated in. Which means that if we are to believe that we are more intelligent than nature, 
That is to say that we know better what is necessary. And that's how you get to the Tao. Where, how can we know what's better? We do not know what is better. Nature knows what is better. Mm -hmm. And it would be a supreme human arrogance, human being built of nature, to believe that we know better. Do we think that we can influence the Tao in a meaningful way? Or are we just... Is it like a thing that somehow passes through us or guides us? What is it? How is it conceived? I know that it can't really be conceived, but does my question even make sense? I understand it to be the rhythm of nature, mm. the, the intention of nature. It's, it's, you look around and if you were to, for example, watch a time lapse of a flower or a field, what you can see is that there is a there is a way and an intention about how it produces itself, mm -hmm. right? And how it distributes its nutrients, and how a system that gives and gives and continues to give all around in this completely innately cooperative, cooperative system that exists in perfect, beautiful harmony. Yeah. You, when you look at nature, what you, you, can do, you can do nothing but stand in absolute awe at the way it continuously produces stunningly beautiful solutions yeah. to stunningly complicated problems. Mm. Human beings have not even scratched a decimal surface of the unbelievable capacity of nature. And then for us to think that we are the saviors of all mankind and that we are the saviors of this planet is of the most supreme arrogance that I could possibly conceive of. And that's why it seems obvious that the only way is the Tao. <laughs> To not try and not do and not try and save the the soul of the species. So what what would the Dao, if we were to all follow the Tao, how would society change? What how would we how would we order ourselves? Effortless action produces a much simpler coexistence where you start looking for your immediate needs and your immediate needs can typically be produced by your immediate environment. Okay. I don't need to get my grains from India, necessarily. Mm -hmm. You know, I could get my grains from a couple kilometers down the road. Yeah. Right? I don't need to get my meat from a McDonald's. I could get it from a local butcher. The butcher will perform his duty the way he does with the simple effortless action that it takes to continuously produce his job. Yeah. There is the rhythm of his role. Mm-hmm. I think there is also the Tao. In the thing I was saying earlier about everyone not fitting into their caste, but it's just like what their inclination is, what they feel like they can give to society and how they feel, think they can help, they just go into that and are allowed to decide you know, what they want to go into. It's more of a thing where it's just you order yourself in, as to where you feel. Well, it's certainly not a you pick and choose. No, but that's right? like the, this is, we're not, not talking about how, how any implementations of it, but just like the raw idea before it was tried and tested on humans, you know, because of course that complicates things. But as in its purest form, it was never like the it was never supposed to be a thing of a system of oppression, but more a system of how can all of society work together to create something beautiful? You know, what if we all serve that place in perfect unison? Like how we could and and the thing about that is that no one is no one is angry against the other part. You know, they're thinking what can all of society together achieve you know we're not considering it from the point of an individual if we conceive of all of society as a single entity thinking this thing that can all it orientates itself for every single aspect of human life that thing can actually i think you'd say send humanity far higher 
Because everyone what is. What do we need to achieve? What's that? But what do we need to achieve? I don't know. We have to go upwards. But so this is my question, man. When you reach a point, what 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 is it that people seem to realize upon their deathbed as a human being? What is it that virtually all people seem to realize in this classic catharsis of what are the truly important things in this life? Oh, I guess they're probably thinking of you know, all the relationships that accumulated and happy moments. Probably times when you had done things for the world, times when you hadn't, I'm not sure. Imagine right now you were told that you had a very finite days amount of days to live yeah how would you choose to try and spend those days mm, i'd probably like to go home and just walk around in the woods and stuff that'd be, mm. that'd be i'd like to just be with my dogs probably be with my parents i'd like to see my girlfriend why because it's what i enjoy doing it you know it's like a very it's a very human thing be out with your family you know, at the end of the day that's who you kind of care about the most are the people that are, you know you've bonded with most of your life yeah, I think I'd do that. When I, as a young man, dream of taking over the world mm -hmm. and <coughs> fantasize about how I might fantasize about how I might be the savior of all mankind, all humankind, that we, and I think a lot of us like to dream that way. If we were in a small community environment, mm -hmm. there would be an old man who would be considered a village elder who would talk, who would look upon me as a young, foolish man in the classic stage of young foolishness. Because it seems like you have to go through the process of age to learn that that which we dream of and that which we follow in this limitless, unlimited world has always been a lofty and limitless goal. And that really the most important things have always been exactly right in front of you. Right? You could live an incredibly rich life by focusing your attention to those things that are important. If you focus your attention toward your friendships, toward your family, toward your health, toward your free time. Mm -hmm. Also feel you, I need, I, I'd never be comfortable with just leisure all the time. Like it feels at the end of the day- It's not leisure necessarily. Not leisure, but there's things to be, there's things to be done. I don't know, I feel like even if, even if you say so you're acting effortlessly, there's still things that you wanna, you know, you, I don't know, put your energy on or direct your efforts into and like in achieving things is definitely a, it definitely you know, helps life. But there's also a proportion of effort though, right? Because mm -hmm. you could even, you could definitely conceive that you could produce a, you could go into business and get yourself a business and do business. But <laughs> can you also define what you consider to be a suitable limitation for how high you want to travel? how high you want to reach. Yeah. Could you just imagine that you'd be satisfied at a certain point where you say, you know what, this is exactly the, this is what I want to get out of it and no more. So that you can continue, continue to allocate energy and mental resources toward those things that are truly important. I think I could do that. I think I'd like to live outside a lot of the time and just forage with the seasons. I think I'd like to as an old man. I can do that as when I'm young as well. I still do all those things. But it'd be nice to be able to just commit to it full time and you know, just walk your dog everywhere. You know, I, be out there. I spent 10 weeks in lockdown on a, in a beach 
a house exactly on the beach in Australia, looking upon the sunrise over the Great Barrier Reef from the bedroom doors as they're swung wide open, listening to the water and the waves rolling. I have a, I'm a person who likes to move, I've always been this way. And just walking on the beach an hour a day and, and being at leisure and at rest made me see just that the slow rhythm of life is one of the most satisfying and humbling experiences mm. a man can go through. I think you do still need the social interaction, but if you put yourself in a position where you don't have to work, or at least you don't have to dedicate all of your life, right? Look, nobody becomes a consultant and works 10 to 12 hours a day because that is the, the only thing that they can do. That is the thing they need to do. They could easily take an easier job that gives them more time to focus on what's important. Take a job just to make ends meet. Yeah. It's like that diverted away from their true desires. But what are the true desires? Right? Or are those the desires that, that to, to you look like true desires within this certain period of your life? Well, it's almost like you said, it's the things that like all humans would enjoy doing. Like, for example, if you're not everyone wants to become a consultant, well, that doesn't draw everything. But what things are like eternally good to all humans? It's a good thing like friendships, of course. Like you couldn't function as a human without friendships. Like if you didn't have that, you'd be, you'd be, you'd become twisted. I think if you had no one else to talk to, it's almost like you'd say friendships are like something that is a non-negotiable, like it's the most important thing for humans, or one of. I would, I would agree. I mean, who would disagree with that? Yeah. But then you could say that's not true of being a consultant. You know. It's certainly not the most non-negotiable thing within our existence. Yeah. Like, what are you, exactly, what are you not willing to compromise on? And then, and then you ask yourself, how much energy do you de dedicate to those things that you're not willing to compromise on? Yeah. I feel like sex as well, didn't have that. I agree. You'd have to have that. You would have to. I feel like it's not, probably not true for everyone, but I feel like having children has got to be a very sad, like, raising someone that is into the world. Well, what you could translate that to is unconditional love. Yeah. Because who's going to argue with that one? Mm-hmm. Do you feel unconditionally loved? Yes, I do. By how many people? A handful of people. Because I feel like at the end of the day, I just feel like the only person that can unconditionally love you is your mother. Because I feel like everyone else, you could do something terrible enough that they wouldn't love you again. Whereas I feel like my mother would love me regardless of anything. Whereas some people, you know, if you did the exact wrong things, it's never truly. It's almost okay. like your mother can, is the only one that can love you that much. You have to somehow afford the word unconditional a human definition. Yeah. Because once you enter the space of infinite possibilities, you, there is no such thing as unconditional love. Yeah. Because, to, like, you tell me in, in infinite realities, you can't, your mother, you can't get your mother to stop loving you. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> infinite reality, almost. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it's possible. No, imagine. I found this is so interesting. So, um, after Ted Bundy got um, convicted, or whatever, I was just so shocked because I was watching the the documentary. And his mum was saying, "He's still my son. I still love him." And you see, this mother, she has this such a strong mother, like motherly bond and motherly instinct that even when her son is a convicted killer, she still just says he's the best son in the world, you know? Like, I feel like that is like a, some, some women really have that like strength of love that they love their children regardless. And it's like a biological thing they can't even fight. Like, even if their child is 
I don't know, I feel like my mother has that archetypal strong love of, I don't know, it's... Yeah, I will admit that when I was now entering that sort of mental image of infinite realities and trying to run them through that roulette wheel of, you know, which one would produce a, a distancing from a mother's love, you know, yeah. which one would break the bond. Yeah. And I see mostly closed doors. And, you know, because you could just... you. Maybe as a human, I can hardly conceive of how could you actually break the bond of mother's love. But dude, I have a, I have a, I have a friend, and he says his mum despises him, and there's one primary well, reason, uh, okay. and it's but it's because he was born by C-section, and his mum always had a scar, and he said his mum always resented him for giving her a scar, and he says he has like no emotional connection to her at all, and somehow is it's like that is for some people it's it can just be non-existent. I suppose then we have to then amend what we were talking about. We're not just talking about all mother's loves, but we're no. thinking of the height of mother's love. Like, yes. can that be broken? Yeah, yes, yes. That's the question. Like, uh, maybe if, let's say, you got to the age of, like, 10, and your mum quite liked you up to the age of 10, and then after that you were given free reign. I feel like there are a lot of mothers that almost nothing could break them. Maybe you were terrible from the get-go in every possible way. Yeah, but it also depends on what the mother's circumstances, right? Yeah. A lot of mothers have a child and don't want the child, and what that child means for them is a, is a point of endless resentment. Yeah. Like, you, we're talking about the height of mother's love, you know, the type of archetypical mother love, mm. right? That's what we're discussing, I think. And can it be... Look, look, of course it can be broken. Otherwise, what's the... Like, I really feel like for some mothers, it just almost cannot be broken. Okay, so maybe unconditional love is just not a fair thing to say. You know, it's what's a more realistic expression of the sentiment we're trying to get across? I think it's more that with your mother's love is that nothing can ever break it ever, but any other relationship could be broken. That it's almost like that is somehow the strongest bond. Even if you can love another person and you can want to like blend your souls together with them, somehow if you came from someone, it's... I'm not really sure it's almost... I guess, okay, so maybe you It's like a greater bond. <coughs> you get to the question then which relationships would break in which order, right? And then to ask yourself, where is the biggest jump from one point to the next? To okay. say that, like that jump from one point to the next is like jumping onto that island of the, what we call unconditional, mm -hmm. right? The people who would be willing to take a lot of shit from you. <laughs> yeah, because we're talking human definition of unconditional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really just like, really would have to be willing to accept a lot of shit from you. Yes. To be able to love you. Mm. And that, I think, is a more realistic goal to strive for, because oh, definitely. you can achieve and attain that. Yes. Right? And a lot of it has to do with simply being a trusting person with integrity for another human being. Definitely. It doesn't actually take that much mm -hmm. more. Or maybe some re a respectful person, too. Yeah. Right? And so, somehow, if you think if people conduct themselves in, in general with a, more of a sense of respect for one another, that it produces a pretty good situation to be in. Definitely. At least they would think so, it would seem so. Okay, so we're still talking about what's, what are the most important things. Right, we said sex, we said unconditional, or uh, what did we call it now? I'm not even sure what we were gonna call it, maybe just... Taking deep shit love. Yes. Um, yeah, like the type of love, love Wim Hof would that give can't you. broken in any way. Yeah. However bad you are, you'd still be loved. Okay, Wim Hof would probably be one of the things that you need in life. Yeah, I think breathing. 
Really? Having a yeah, yeah. having a solid, healthy relationship with your body. You know, yeah, understanding yeah. its limits, being able to know how to actually unlock your potential <laughs> and the, what you know what you're what you're given. I feel like that's definitely health for sure. I think so. I definitely do agree with that. Mm. What else? Health. But my my point is then when you think of really what most of these things are. What does it take in terms of your professional ambition to be able to maintain a good, healthy level of this? Because like, look, I know that you want to um, go out and change the world, but for example, when I'm reading great books, I can be so excited by the worlds that they take me in that it, they just, it wants to take me to other books. Mm -hmm. I, when I make music, I can get so excited about the process of making music that I just continue to make music. The same thing goes for poetry and the same thing goes for writing. I can simply, and I can very, very much occupy and enrich and engage the soul without necessarily producing something on a societal level. Yeah. I can engage myself and thoroughly enjoy the experience of life without ever feeling like I am sitting still. Definitely. This is the way I live life myself. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking at. I always thought that I, I need to keep moving, but that's because I, I perceived movement to only have a professional, a professional form. Yeah. But now my movement is all in the form of, not personal gratification, but with this effortless action, following whatever project seems to happen to me by itself, without me really trying. Mm -hmm. A lot of the projects that have happened now have been more like, like the podcast this thing that sort of started without even starting and then it happened and it was real and then we just followed it because it felt like well let's follow it it takes no effort it's actually a really cool thing a really f cool avenue of exploration mental exploration and all that for not you could say okay well you know good on you for where was I going with all of this <coughs> there's um I remember we were talking about the effortless action and how you know you have a project and that just sure, develops sure, sure. so a lot of guys will say to me like oh I couldn't retire yeah because I need to do stuff it's like no what you need to do what your what your mind has told you is that you need to produce at a high level scale but that's just because that's how you manifested and that's how you manifested your whole life but you could argue that if you step into a different reality and you truly embrace it truly truly embrace it that look okay you're a man with ADHD you want to keep yourself occupied for mm -hmm. example if you call it ADHD yeah right you have a hyperactivity that needs something some kind of quenching mm -hmm. sure you're going to meditate a little while maybe try and calm and center yourself but not to mention you'll have urges and you want to answer those urges in my world I answer those urges by making music constantly by writing poetry and writing just writing my notebook by going on bike rides by talking to friends by playing games with friends by watching great films by having great conversations with my partner, right? But then also also thinking about how I can engage myself creatively. How can I, okay, so I start doing a podcast, I start doing a little film festival, I start doing a, a thing called the Hour on Earth where I just film one hour on Earth, you know? And I've done like 40 of them so far. And what I are you doing the hours on Earth? Like, I just go, I take a camera, put a tripod, microphone, put it somewhere and sit there for the whole hour and take the whole hour and upload it as a complete hour. Hmm. And it's like ambience, but I just think it's a collection that if I go deeper into it, eventually I'll have a lot of really cool hours and a lot of really cool places. Yeah. I just didn't, re I haven't been following it for a few months because it was just one of my, one of the things I've done this year. 
but so far I had hours all over already like five six seven different countries less we had um, she went to Guatemala and took an hour at a volcano went through a lot of effort to be able to get a camera to do it and what did you do when you're out did you just sit there and the volcano was just she was just sitting there away? she was just sitting there Mm. Was the, and it was and no speaking. You could just could you hear the sound of it? You could move a little further from the camera so that you can speak. But mm-hmm. my rules personally is that you don't speak. At least when I do it, this is a moment to either meditate, sit still and do nothing, write, maybe um, stretch. But the idea is that I'm not engaging with any kind of technology, and instead of as one of the things this came as an answer a very easy answer to the fact that I got really tired of this act in digital photography because as I was a photographer that only occupied the digital world I got really tired of the fact that I'd go and look for a beautiful space I would look upon it and I'd point my camera at it and then now I'm just interacting with the camera get this angle get this angle get this angle get this angle and the whole thing was so finicky that I was completely disconnected to that which I was capturing (laughs) just really really totally disconnected and so, so how do you engage back with it so that was how the hour on earth idea came about it just presented itself to me in a really obvious way when I was doing my writing in my journal that okay well instead of going and taking an image and walking away from it which is also what I typically do what you say is I go and find one image and settle there for an hour so I live in that space for an hour and I exist in it and I take it in and I really do try to receive it and then I saved it and I bottled it up and that one hour of meditation meditative quiet in my life or whatever it was that hour exists and it becomes a collection will you re-listen to them sometimes ambient music? yeah I do mm. not to bring me back to another place but more it's, a, it's, it's pleasant you know and I, I like to look at the stuff that I've made I, I happen you know I, I'm still a photographer so I still do pay attention to my framing you know and, and I make nice looking images Right, so I, I really look for the nice spot, <coughs> so I can photograph in a nice way, mm. and I can I see the the really cool potential of the project to be a very Wu Wei thing, you know. It has no intention. It has no intention whatsoever, other than to just say, "Here's an hour here." Mm. I feel like even this view here, you could definitely just watch an hour of this. It's good. I have about three of them. Yeah. From this view, you can imagine more like future humans would be obsessed by it what it looked like and the, you know, when the humans were still outside and above the top of the surface of the planet yeah, yeah. You know, before all the war started exactly. I think, look at that, look at that guy on that Segway I have and um, they thought they were going to take over all cities and now they're just really quirks the only reason I didn't upload the one that was straight up of the whole view <coughs> is that it, it made it too clear from where the perspective was and it's my house and I just, I don't want that oh yeah you know, there's so many other places but, for example, I do have one where I lock the camera right here and point it downwards. Okay. And watch as people walk by. I did it in the middle of the day and I did it at night time. Okay. And just as people walk by. And you get to people watch for an hour. Just do you think you could tell, you could find that place if you were a detective on the internet? Do you know, if you knew enough about Barcelona, you could find down that exact bit? Of course. What of would course. you look for? Well, you'd have to see the video and then you, as a detective, you'd have to figure it out yourself. Yeah. Right. But what you're looking at is essentially the tile patterns, how wide they are, what kind of foot traffic, what do you hear people saying? There's mm. a lot of information you receive. What kind of direction are most of them headed? Right. What time of day does it look to be? There's so much you can receive yeah. from looking at it. Like it's not, 
Look, we're really not dealing with a maximum amount of secrecy. It's not like I'm doing something at the height of illegality. Of course. That I just don't want to have an obvious suggestion yeah. that I would be able like to It's like breadcrumbs, you know? <laughs> and it's always how people think, like, people always trip up over the most trivial things. You know, you, let's say you're in some organization, you had so much special planning, everything was so uptight, you get tripped up just because you took a video, of an ASMR video of people walking underneath your house, you know? It's always the tiny things that trip you up. Yeah, this is why I'm actually not too interested in going into, you know, when people want to attain a large amount of power, what they don't seem to really think about is that when you have power, people will try and take it from you. Mm. And you'll never sleep sound again in your life. Yeah. That's why I really love the anonymity. And I think, I feel like I'm one of the one of the few people I know who seems to be very, very content having no ambitions whatsoever beyond just like doing cool projects. I want to do cool projects to share, just to share with people because mm -hmm. let's be honest, I like the image of seeing myself in the jungle photographing bonobos. Yeah. You know, there's an image that appeals to me because you know, somehow you could say that I, you perform toward what people know you to be. And my whole life, people think this guy does exciting stuff. So you think, well, yeah, let me let me do it because I can. Why not? Like, why not extract everything you can out of life as long as you really don't feel like you're you're adding a tax or a toll to it? But how can you know? How can you know you're doing anything good or bad? You know, if you influence. I sometimes think with our work, if you're sending kids to go to, you make a great video that makes a kid say, I want to go to that school, it will fundamentally change the direction their life was heading. Yeah. <laughs> Anything on a grand level, all of the new friendships you're crafting, what those friendships were going to accomplish in the world, and whether you like it or not, a single video completely alters history. But then again, everything does. This, this podcast, if it was never filmed, who knows what might happen in the future? Who knows someone could get court this could be used as evidence perhaps everyone in the future already knows who we are because they can just plug it into their machine learning software and they can analyze any voice you know if you tag every single bit of your speech and then we have that robot tag we can just learn anything and then there's no anonymity ever i mean they already have that they must i guess but i guess counter to that everyone would eventually forget like the super intelligent aliens that were analyzing it in the future or future humans I doubt they'd even care about names, you know, it'd be so far yeah. away that it would be meaningless, like talking about someone I mean, 100,000 years ago. Can you think of the, the, the absolute lack of desire they would have to have to be able to listen to the billions upon billions upon billions upon billions and trillions of conversations <laughs> yeah. that people had? Like, what value would it be of them other mm. than, like, some trivial interest that, oh, they were speaking about this subject and like if you think of the resolution at which we look back at the year 1814 it's a set of events you know maybe a couple names mm -hmm. <laughs> not the fact that people were just living yeah <laughs> and talking and having a full experience of life right the fact that they can process all of it the only reason they're doing it is not sure probably to control but their main form is to be able to sell you stuff because you talk in a certain way I feel like we're entering a slightly different topic right before this. You asked a question. Oh yeah, I guess if we think in the, the, the short term, though, there's an obvious redirection that these videos do to families. 
Yeah. It's a. If I don't do that video, that redirection doesn't happen. Yeah. Which projects I choose to take? You could say, in a way, it's like your whole job is like accelerating um, rates of change because it's like more people are going to go to these schools. And then if they have greater intake, there's going to be more ideas clashing and then that generates faster change out there. You know, there's just more connections. It's like the more people you can interact with in the world, the faster stuff can happen. So it's just you could also speeding argue it all up. By, by unifying a type of energy that you're putting out there, what you're doing is you're also attracting a certain type of energy in return. And that energy, there's nothing to say that that energy wouldn't be very beneficial when it bounced around itself. Right? If people who already sort of saw things the same way, what happens when they get put in the room together? Where, where do they go with it, you know? Hmm. How does that multiply? You know, that's why I thought about the Wim Hof stuff, to do something like that, that, that really expresses the idea in a way that intelligent people look at it and think, man, this is exactly what I need to be a part of. And what happens when you draw people in with that type of energy rather than, here's a crazy guy who's offering you some, some things? Like, couldn't it be articulated in a way that really gets to people? The audience is captive, they'll listen. Everyone wants to hear what's going on. You have Wim Hof say it too, or at least have him be the main face of the story. Definitely. I think we could tell the story, man. I think also just him being the early pioneer and then he can only carry the torch for so long. Yep. You know, it can't be, it's not gonna be his thing forever, it's the thing he may have started, but it's like, it's actually us passing on the knowledge that is the most important thing. Even though I feel like having a story associated with it makes people remember it more. You know, look, Wim will, it will do him a service to be remembered. Yeah. <laughs> I think the real and immediate day-to-day -day Wim yeah. is not exactly the Wim everyone needs to be watching. No. No, I mean, like, look, there's a lot of rambling. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of repetition. Uh, how much do you think this is true of, like, all leaders in the past? No, there was only just, except for them, there was even more controlled because they, they could just approve things that was written down about them. But actually, they're more just like, we're rambling about the same stuff and the same stuff, but we all just see like perfectly manicured versions of everyone. And yet underneath it all, they're all... I mean, look around you, man. Yeah. Look how people present themselves. Mm. When, when you put your writing anywhere, all your publishing is a manicured version of your writing. Yeah. There's no... There's no just, Perhaps the only way we might know is if to hear independent accounts that couldn't possibly have been really controlled, that would describe somebody in a particular way. Right? But you'd hear, in this case, you'd have to trust that these independent accounts are independent accounts. Right? And if you cannot trust that, then there's no reason to trust. Then there's no reason to speculate. But if you hear this one traveler said this of this leader, and this person said this of this leader, and that information has proliferated across the world, you think, well, maybe Alexander the Great was, in fact, an asshole, you know? Yeah. Ooh, my mind is just, I feel like a cat purring. I feel like my trains of thought are just, I'm just falling off the edge. Yeah, well, I think we've had a good hustle. Yeah. Yes, well, are we continuing on? No, we can conclude. This is should we smoke a joint? I feel like we should just yeah. we should just do that and, and, and see what that takes. Oops, I just spilled something. Because this has been exactly an hour. Is that exactly an hour? I'm getting a little congested too. I think mm. it's some pollen or something.
It was interesting. I wasn't uh, towards the end. I wasn't really thinking so much about it even being recorded. It was just a conversation. You get over the recording yeah. part pretty quickly. But I wonder even if this. I, I like. I feel like we would have would have had a very different conversation if there was just no microphones here. Like it's somehow. I don't know. You feel it keeps like you sitting up straight. Yeah, it keeps you sitting up straight. You almost you feel like you can't always lose trains of thought. It almost seems like you have to have a more manicured conversation when. Because I feel like most conversations, there's always going to be choppy bits of here and there, but the podcast is trying to you know, not repeat yourself and keeping the flow going. Now you see what I found in it. Mm. What it does yeah. to the nature of discussion. I'm yeah. a man who likes to talk about things. And now it's a perfectly socially acceptable excuse to say, do you want to be in my podcast? So instead of inviting you for dinner and now having an inappropriate sort of heated discussion. Yeah. Look, the podcast also, like, look, you don't want your podcast to descend into to name calling. <laughs> yeah, I know, of course. You know, like, there has to, you have to maintain an air of civility about it. And so somehow the structure is simply the word podcast. What it means to okay. you, what it means to me, produces a nature of conversation. We didn't need to come up with instructions. Okay. It's just automatically. Mm. It Do you think it's almost more efficient than your, in your use of time? It's, a, it's just a better way exactly. to converse. You know, there's more... There's more etiquette in the way you talk, you know, it's like your speech is important, it's not just... You can't just say throwaway sentences and then, and then, and then like not even finish the sentence and then, you know, those things that are usually forgotten in conversation, everyone can just replay it. So it's like all these little bits are important all of a sudden, you know? You're on the record. Every single thing you've said <laughs> yeah, imagine be used against you. Yeah, they just, they just make these compilations of these like half, half-form sentences, it's like... It's like it's almost, I don't know, there's just so much mess in conversation that you have to try and curate out when you're podcasting. I mean, but you're also living at the edge of your seat. Mm. Because in, in some sense, if you're producing thoughts you haven't produced before, you have no guarantee of what yeah. they're going to sound like. That's true. Somehow you have to manage to filter those ideas so well in your mind that as the, like, the words are running into, into your sort of spoken mouth, mm-hmm. they're, they're going through a pre-filtration process that's allowing you to say things or not say things that would or would not be acceptable. Yeah. And catching yourself and like diverting it around the conversation. Seeing different way when it's or, coming, you know, it's yeah. like you ever play Guitar Hero or something where you see those notes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's essentially like that, but you can choose not to play the note. I've done it a couple of times, you know, you're ready to say the sentence and it stops you and you see it right before there. Mm. It's kind of incredible the amount of processes that are happening that are resulting in you being able to express yeah. a sentence. It's always so strange when I have like memories popping in and out, like you, you know this thing, you can almost see it somehow in your mind but you can't you have you have no word to put to it and then all of a sudden it comes back again you know it's like these really vague processes and you can't understand people seem how they're doing it you've kind of gotten an idea happening in me where people seem to be so baffled by this mystery that human beings their con- their um their brain cavity or whatever it is, grew in twice in size and over a period of 200,000 years, which okay. in, in evolutionary terms is astounding. Yes. Um, oh, the other one's over there. I'll, just, I'll bring it in a second. Okay. Um, I, I don't think she's happy. Oh, yeah? It's okay, she's got earplugs. <laughs> Sorry, we love you. Um, which in evolutionary terms is astounding. And this thought has been constant. Like Terence McKenna talks about the stoned ape theory. Yeah, we could also te- keep our volume a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. But Terence McKenna talks about the stoned ape theory. 
which is one theory about why that happened. There are other theories as to why it happened, but I really do believe that witnessing it myself in a day-to-day -day interaction type of way, that if I, by being able to think and communicate in language and expand my thought and consciousness through language, through the pursuits of language, through the pursuit of reading and growing my mind, I feel the mind growing stronger by itself, right? And so, Clearly, because of the acquisition of language, it gave us an access to such a capacity to grow the mind so much faster than anything ever before that we actually became much like we are evolved now to be able to speak language. Yeah. Because we selected for those who did it best. Mm -hmm. I always find it interesting when you, you meet people with that, they speak a language that only comes from a small country and they say they actually prefer speaking English because they can actually describe their inner thought patterns so much more complexly because they have so many more words you know there's like different flavors of you can't just be evil you could be you know, like there's like different flavors of you could be like malevolent or i don't know you know it's like different, different languages no no it's just in english sometimes there can be more words for a certain phenomenon or other languages might have more words but it's like you can somehow almost express yourself even more in a, in a language that has so many new words because it's just richer what you can say there's more information conveyed in each of your individual words. You know, it, it is both. No matter what, it keeps pulling me back to the Tao. You know, you'll probably, I think it's in chapter two of the Tao, it says, you know, as soon as you, when you define reality, you move away from it. Mm. And I think we take great interest in this. We keep talking about this fetishism we have to wanting to know more and more words give us more ways of saying things, but forget isn't it in Buddhism that says that as soon as you learn the word bird you cease to see a bird yeah you know and so where I like you I get very excited about the look, look at us we're, we're here human beings expressing ourselves through the magic of spoken language you know I can sit and, and mope about what it's done towards disconnecting us but I'm taking great joy in the moment of being able to use it you know, at least for my own personal joy, it is wonderful. Wonderful to be able to use language at this level. But I also say that I don't really know what the quality of my experience of life would be had I not known language. I'm cursed with the fact that I won't know that. Mm. I think all of us have that. So for us to simply blindly assume that it was worse. Yes, you can see in other people there, you know, people are almost just, they're very contented with a simple life. I mean, it's a bit, I guess, like Pooh and the Tao, you know? They look almost some of the con most contented people that I've ever encountered. Yeah. Even the previous, it hasn't added to their knowledge, they just remain curious and open to the world. And Would you feel that country folk or city folk seem to have the right idea? Oh, definitely the country folk. You know, they're more in tune, in balance, you know? They've, they just keep going as is, they don't need to expand in any way. It's, and it's like, you know, trust in society. All of their neighbors have lived there and their ancestors for hundreds of years. And because everyone knows everyone, there's so much more trust. And you can find out more. It's like society isn't, doesn't get so sick. You, know, you don't have any so many isolated people that go and do evil stuff. And I think most of the time, all the bad people, they just feel they become disconnected from mankind. And then they just, you know, like we, I don't know if we said earlier on the podcast, but then you're just on your own. That's when society starts to crumble. We need to have like a strong health of friendships. When you hear the words war, technology what's that when you hear the words war yeah technology power mm. 
Do you associate them with city or country? Um, well, I guess, of course, technology and city goes hand in hand. I don't know, I guess, I guess, I guess all of them may be a city, but I guess warfare could very much, I mean, in the country of a Sure, but I'm not talking about, I'm talking about now, in the 21st century, mm -hmm. 2021. Yeah. Or at least, I'm not talking, and maybe I'm not even talking about warfare being fought. I'm talking about the origins of the intentions of the warfare itself. Yeah. Who's calling the shots? Yeah. And is it someone in the country or someone in the city? I guess always people... I guess wherever they can just amass the most people to give them power. In the center. And then you'll always find that in the cities. The center of the government. Yeah. Right? Of the people who are running the show. I just see that humble country people seem to be the salt of the earth. And they seem to understand that which city people are too foolish to see. Yeah. And so for us to constantly have these ambitions to change the world is, is essentially to prolong this realization. Yeah. Because it will come about what's important in life. Mm. The question is, how long will you prolong it? Oh, no, I, I, and is your life, uh, if you think that at an early age, an early stage in your life, you could somehow conclusively look around you and recognize what is actually important in life, that if you were to live your life with that in mind, that would you have less regrets than if you just live your life chasing lofty goals, and then, not necessarily lofty goals, but whatever you, it's by whoever's definition, chasing after you with the goals that you've set, and only then upon a certain point to realize that all of it was irrelevant to the important things in life. But then here comes me thinking, you know, but I think I might be satisfied. I think it might satisfy me knowing that I could do, you know, cause a cog, cause a ripple in time, you know? Yeah. It satisfy my ego a little bit to feel like, you know what, I was born with a type of intellect and a capacity to express ideas that, that is being given to me in a way that I, I didn't really put it inside myself this way. It was always wired me, wired mm -hmm. me this way. And so it seems as though it, it exists at a capacity to do, to do good for people. Mm -hmm. And you have to somehow ask yourself, do you, do you honor it as a responsibility? Or is that just an even greater temptation toward the Tao? One that says, here I imbue you with talent and skill to be whatever it is you want to be. Mm -hmm. And don't be anything. Is that not simply just a test of great temptation that you have to overcome? Hmm. That seems almost the most sad, though. Like, if you say having all the skills, but wasting them. Well, what's wasting? Right? Because you, you, you say wasting in reference to there must be a good way to spend it and a bad way. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems that someone should be able to develop themselves. It would be a shame. It's almost like, I'm, I don't know. Because I feel like if other people are so obsessed with that thing, it seems like they're almost like it wasn't worth um, having those traits. I don't know. <laughs> I guess within the, the cur within the currency or within the systems that we've produced, you know, the societies that we have, yeah. there are certain um, faculties that I was, that I have evolutionarily speaking, that I've adapted to, that seem to work pretty well. There's a sense of creativity, a sense of spontaneity, a sense of, we'll call it fearlessness, for lack of a better term, that seems to combine into, hey, be whatever you want to be in this particular system that we are. Right. I also could pretty clearly see that uh, 
it wouldn't be too far from the truth to say that it was people who were imbued with similar characteristics as mine that, in general, historically found their way to particular positions of power. The only thing that differs really is a, perhaps a degree of empathy and a, and a cultural, for lack of a better word, indoctrination. But well, do you think that's just how any person that aspires to power would view themselves? Like, uh, do you think every, every person who has aspirations in the way thinks that way? Or do you think some people... Like, you, uh, you say you set out with good intentions, but that's uh, just a way of justifying <coughs> the power that you want. This is the thing. I, I see a couple timelines. There is, a, of course, uh, a human goal in the background, the back of the mind, that says, you know what, I have the capacity, I have the strength, I have the oratory skills to be able to command audience and to be able to distribute ideas. I recognize that, I have it, I can command a crowd without a problem. And it's something I've grown very used to in my line of work, so mm -hmm. it helps as practice goes. Yeah. But whether or not I can does not automatically mean I should. And should is a complicated question, because what should you do? And once you really have to dissect outside of the boundaries of what humans think we should do. You ask you the real question, what should you do? Mm. Where, do where do the answers take you beyond, I should not interfere <laughs> with that which has been before me and that which will be after me? Unless you can simply say that my being, no matter how I be, is not interfering because I am a being of nature mm -hmm. and that whatever technology we produced is also a product of our natural ideas being produced into natural conclusions because we produced the ideas or do we draw a distinction between where we departed from nature it's a philosophically difficult question because in all cases you could say that well the Tao is everything so why so is there any way you could ever even does that mean it's almost like it's it, is it the same as saying there's no free will or is it more saying that there is just you are part of wait let me on, let me on, let me tell what I said you're part so, of it right no matter what it is that you do but is it is is does it, is the Tao like predeterministic in any way does it I does it, does so. it is it is everything set in stone or is there ways that you can kind of shift the Tao slightly you know like one ripple influences the Tao to be pushed in that direction you see what I mean I think the Tao looks at anybody intending to change uh, the fundamental direction of things as a foolish person yeah right it regards it as not someone who might or may or may not achieve is that just like everything you know as you saw when you as you said no somebody else said when you whenever you add anything new to a system it will find its way back to balance. Yeah. Right? And because you acknowledge that idea, as do I, you begin, what we're both accepting is that there is a natural way of things. And that natural way of things is, I think, the Tao. We can wrap up. Is it really that bothersome you couldn't have headphones or something? Is it really warm? Because it's pretty fresh out here, it's like 21 degrees, 22.
Do we need the AC? That's the question. I think it'll be okay. It'll be really nice. It's like a spring day. I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be okay. Avoid at all costs, but I mean, perhaps it is fair to say that two loud-voiced men <laughs> saying English, rambling about nonsense, <laughs> rambling about nonsense, would be would uh, would say, hey, at the time of bed, bedtime before uh, an early morning wake up, <laughs> let us. Let's go out and discuss life in front of a microphone. With wind more breathing, it doesn't matter about the short sleep. Yeah. We'll be powered up. Well, I guess my perspective on the matter is, you know, I was in the cabin with the Swedish fellow. Yeah. And, he, and he snored like a chimney. <laughs> really? But it, I just put on some headphones. Yeah. Plug some brown noise or some frequency into my ears. Mm -hmm. And I fall asleep. Nice. And the headphones naturally find their way off of my body throughout the night. Mm -hmm. I, I almost think that I actually take them off, but I'm not sure about that. No, I have the same thing. I don't know if I put on headphones or a face mask or something. Or it works. You know, yeah. it doesn't bother me. It's, and so that's why I guess I, I tend to have a reaction that's just thinking, just not a big deal. You know, the, the, the process of coexistence involves a compromise. But I think there was one. <laughs> Typically, like in the end, a compromise will be found. Right from one angle, the aggrieved party versus the non-aggrieved. Each of you will conceive of a different solution. That's not to say that one solution is wrong, one solution is right. The solution that was currently done was done in service of saying, I want to sleep, you continue doing what you're doing. Yeah. That's the end goal anyway. Mm -hmm. So maybe the net cost of saying closing the doors is actually not so bad. Yeah. Well, if you feel just in terms of knowledge, you think it's fine if one person has to suffer sleep so that a brilliant podcast will be crafted. Well, you know, that, in the long scheme of things, adds more knowledge somehow. Well, again, we talk about the lofty goals and the knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Why does somebody have a child at half past midnight? Past your bedtime. Yeah. Looks like a very small child, so maybe it's just sort of on its own schedule, you know, it just is awake and asleep whenever. Or maybe it was crying already and then it came out of the house and now they're just trying to walk the streets with it. Trying Try to putting your headphones on and then saying that it's permissible for that child to be in the same space as us. Yeah. Let's see the contrast.
fully in. in the end the compromise was not one that was that cumbersome for us you know the whole idea is that well you may have had it as well perhaps I had it more so considering it's my place that <laughs> we are outside and people do tend to keep their doors open yeah. and that people will be aware of us and you know I and that awareness certainly does mark my behavior yeah. and influence my thought mm. and so that's why I often think it would be nice to have a studio environment a place where I truly don't believe I'm bothering anybody it's true but I also think that in a way it's almost nice to live in a place where there is a bit of bother there is signs of life you know you do see people out on the balconies talking I'd rather live in a place where there's a bit more bustle and you might get disturbed a bit more but at least there was signs of life everywhere and so I, I, cause I kind of, you know, I like the idea of the streets being alive with people like I feel like if this is a street area it should just be, that's just the way it is, you know, it's it life happening. You know, you, you, know? you chose to live at, at the street. Exactly, you know? so I, I, so I think if you're too careful about always treading on anyone's toes, you realize the best thing to do is just curl up in a ball and do nothing. You know, to, to exist is to <coughs> step on people's toes sometimes. Which seems to be the, the conclusion that we constantly keep drawing. Yeah. In this pursuit of the Tao. Curl up in a ball and do nothing. But yeah. certainly there must be more to it than that. But instead, just act and people get annoyed, but there's nothing else to do but be you. And just to act in whatever way that you, that you should. But even then, there are limits, of course. You know, we're trying to be a civil participant of society. Yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna, I think it'd be good for me to get some rest. Mm. Early starts. But we should really get the Serbs. Yeah. Because you see what it does to the nature of conversation. Mm. I'd love to hear what happens when these guys start formulating their thoughts carefully. Oh, Borja, he says he's, he's sorry for not coming. He's, he's been thinking out some things recently. <laughs> but he says he does want to hang out. So who knows, maybe he'll join us tomorrow. I think we should do it. Yeah, yeah, we'll make it happen. All right, great. It was an interesting format. It's the yeah, it's so first time I think I've ever been recorded speaking for a podcast. There you go. And we do a pretty unceremonious uh, stop.